And in case you missed it, he's the first white supremacist Muslim voted into the <laughs> assembly. Because Bill Asaley is the first Muslim That's in the fine. assembly. Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. If you are watching um, on Facebook Live or on YouTube, you can see we're back in the office this week after a little bit of traveling for work. That's right. We're here again drinking our fancy coffees. Yes, yes. And we have some fun, I guess, things to talk to you all about today. We are going to go over... um, some bills that are affecting education, teachers, school boards, right. parental rights, ultimately, um, mm-hmm. as well as we're going to talk about an assembly member calling another assembly member a white supremacist. That's right. And then we're going to talk about there is an anniversary of something tomorrow. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stay tuned till the end to find out. Well, if you're watching um, or listening a little bit later, the anniversary is Saturday, June 24th, if you're not watching the day we recorded. Yeah. Um, so Saturday, June 24th, and we are going to talk about that at the end. So Greg, do you want to uh, maybe intro the little video we're going to show everyone? Yeah, it seems that uh, our legislative and political leaders are nervous about local school boards. They're trying to be, you know, local. <laughs> They really would love school boards to just listen to all their wisdom and not really question anything, the books they're promoting, the curriculum, you know. But California has hundreds and hundreds of school boards that are supposed to reflect the local values of the community, make sure parents are having input. That's why they're local. Um, but, and, you know, for so long, school districts. A lot of them are just rubber stamping mm-hmm. uh, what the legislators up here are dictating to them as far as curriculum and how to run their schools. But uh, school boards are electing uh, more vocal uh, uh, school board members who are deciding, you know, they're going to stand up for their local communities. And well, parents are standing up for their local community well, and they're electing these members to the school well, board that's right. and using their voice. That's right. And so we're going to show you a video. They held a special emergency press conference, and this uh, legislators are getting together to figure out what to do. And so they got some legislation. So let's roll the tape, and you'll see what they're up to. In the Rhino Report, for the first time, the State Task Force on Inclusive Education met in the Capitol. The topic was how to diversify textbooks in California. Our political reporter Morgan Reiner joins us now with what they discussed. Laura, there are several bills this task force is supporting, including one that ups the threshold for local school districts to be able to ban a book. Now, what do Republicans think of this? Well, none of the Republicans that I spoke to knew this task force was happening until I reached out. Superintendent of Public Education Tony Thurman put together a special task force made up of lawmakers to discuss the best way to diversify the system. When students see uh, images that look like them or content about their experience, they do better. The task force is supporting three bills. First, AB5, which requires all teachers and staff to take a LGBTQ plus cultural competency training. Provides the training that teachers want and need to support LGBTQ and all students. AB1352 by Assemblymember Mia Bonta requires local school districts to follow the state's policies, curriculum and practices. It also allows a school board member by a two-thirds vote to be removed for not following the state. 
This is about addressing systemic bias at its whole. I'm thankful that this task force will lead us in that direction. Then there's AB 1078 by Assemblymember Corey Jackson. It would require a two-thirds vote to ban any material and then set up an appeals process for the state to review the decision. A critical response uh, to ensuring that we put the brakes on uh, the banning of books. Looking at the list of speakers, I didn't see any lawmakers from across the aisle, so I asked if Republicans were involved in this task force. Not that I'm aware of, at least not to date, but we welcome the participation of uh, members from any party. This isn't a partisan issue. Republican Assemblymember Bill Asaley found out about it because of my interview request. I would have loved to join and actually have a productive conversation about how do we improve our schools? How do we have equal education for all kids, regardless of their zip code? He opposes the bills the task force is supporting. I think Corey Jackson is a radical member of this House, and anything he proposes should be um, viewed with great skepticism. When I look at this bill, it looks like he's trying to indoctrinate the kids at schools with his ideology. So we're going to go into depth and talk about those bills, what committees they're scheduled in for. But to touch on um, what Bill Assaley, Assemblymember Assaley said at the end, he um, called Assemblymember Jackson radical. Radical. I mean, it, you know, and that's he's not just he's pointing out that this particular legislator mm -hmm. of all the radical legislators we have at the state legislature he is particularly radical, and we're going to show you why. Yes. So we'll check out this video, and then we'll explain what he called a sale. All right. Well, I appreciate your perspective. I just fundamentally disagree. Not a perspective. This is a fact. Okay. So let's not, let's not get it twisted here. This is a fact. There is no opinion that I am exercising. Uh, this is not something that... Um, you know, that I am willing to engage in a, a cultural narrative over. The fact is, is that um, this is the right thing to do. There are a number of inter interventions that cannot be used right now that is proven to save lives. Thank I, I appreciate your comments. I respectfully disagree. I think 57% of Californians disagree. But you're wrong. Well, excuse me. I'd like to finish speaking. 57% of Californians disagree who approved Prop 209. I believe it is a mistake in the United States of America to go backwards and to inject race into government policy. I think all people are created equal and the government should treat people equally. And we can provide services to disadvantaged communities without making race a factor. And I, I support that. I think everyone should have an equal opportunity in the United States. Uh, I am a minority. I came from minority background. And I don't want the government to, you know, treat me differently than anyone else. I want to be treated equally. And so with that, I, I respect your viewpoint, but I respectfully disagree. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. So if you are not watching and if you're listening on the podcast, the clip we just played is, um, from a committee hearing, and Bill Asaley actually put this clip on his own Twitter, and it basically explained why he was against this bill, ACA 7, to which Assemblymember Jackson, quote, tweeted Bill Asaley's tweet, and he stated, this is a perfect example of how a minority can become a white supremacist by doing everything possible to win white supremacist and fascist affection. History will judge him poorly. His politics is dangerous and should be com combated at every turn. Hashtag anti-racism. Yeah, so he here is, listen, 
several years ago, uh, there was a proposition that said here in California that we were no longer going to do affirmative action. We were no longer going to judge people by their race and give certain people advantages, uh, especially in schools, uh, uh, you know, based on the color of their skin. We are simply going to do it based on merit. Right, a colorblind society is what California wanted, and majority of Californians said yes. Well, ACA seven is uh, Assemblyman Jackson's attempt to put affirmative, back, affirmative action back into the Constitution, and so Bill Asaley said, "You know, I don't think that's good, and I don't think um, uh, Californians want that." And for that, he's called a white supremacist. Yes. And um, <laughs> Jackson has not apologized for this comment or taken the back, taken this comment back. He's actually doubled down and has now called other people white supremacists via his Twitter. So you can check out his Twitter to see what's going on there. But also um, kind of just a little lighthearted, funnier end, Assemblymember Joe Patterson tweeted out and he said, hey, go follow my friend and fellow Assemblymember at Bill Asaley. And in case you missed it, he's the first white supremacist Muslim voted into the <laughs> assembly. Because Bill Asaley is the first Muslim okay. in the assembly. And apparently also a white supremacist. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll, we also want to mention something about those bills mm -hmm. that were introduced, um, really targeting local school districts, right? I mean, the first one is AB5, uh, introduced by Assemblyman Rick uh, uh, Zaber. Um, now, he, uh, he's from West Hollywood, kind of a very liberal area. He used to be the uh, director of Equality California, uh, which is a, one of the most uh, wealthy and activist LGBT organizations in the state. And now they're going to make all teachers every three years go through a course on how to be, um, they call it cultural competency. Competency. <laughs> That's right. On LGBT, everything LGBTQ, right? What this really is, is indoctrinating teachers. Hey, if you want to make uh, these kids feel comfortable, you have to agree with their ideology, uh, their identity, affirm them in all things LGBT. It's going to put actually Christian teachers in a bind. Uh, what are they supposed to do? Uh, violate their own faith? promote a, an ideology, encourage it in their kids when they disagree with it, when they don't, they think this is harmful to kids. Um, so, but that's what that's all about. Mm -hmm. And Zaber said about that bill that it's going to provide um, training that teachers want and need regarding the LGBTQ community. And yeah, maybe there is some teachers that feel like they want that to be trained to them. But there is plenty of teachers across the state of California that do not want or need to be trained about LGBTQ+. And it does, it's not this lighthearted, fun training. It goes in depth about forcing you to believe different gender ideologies and allowing boys into girls' restrooms and all these things. And like I said, there's a lot of teachers that don't want or need that. So he's speaking for all the teachers, but they don't want him to speak for them. Yeah. And the other bill that was simply introduced by Assembly uh, woman Mia Bonta. Now, She's from Oakland. Uh, her husband is actually the attorney general. Um, and she did something called a gut and amend where she's got this one bill that she, it's already gone through the assembly. It's in the Senate, but she decided to strip all the language out of it and put this brand new bill 
all new language, and the bill is really going after local school board members. Um, you know, it, it, some of it's, it's kind of confusing. First, it says, you know, local school boards can't violate the law when it comes to state policies on curriculum. Well, I think that's already in law. But then the kicker comes where it says that will ele- if with a two-thirds vote of a school board, uh, they can remove a member, right? They can just simply remove a member that they don't like who they think is promoting policies that are not inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I can assume there's lots of school districts out there that are maybe maybe dominated by uh, folks on the left and they got one or two conservatives. Mm-hmm. Now it puts them vulnerable to being kicked out, uh, removed without a recall election. You know, those, those people are duly elected by the voters. So it, it I think it's a scare tactic. Yep. It's more or less to scare uh, the school boards that are standing up uh, against uh, what is being pushed down by the state. And it's the whole point is to intimidate them um, that if you don't toe the line, if you speak up, you know, we're going to remove you. And what this is going to result in, how it's a two-thirds vote to be removed. So most of the school boards across California have five school board members. So a two-thirds vote is 3.33333, and it goes on. So you have to do, um, you have to round up. So that means four out of the five school board members have to vote someone off. And so as Greg mentioned, there's school boards where four are one way and the one person goes the opposite way, whether it's four are um, like left winged and there's one right winged or vice versa. Yeah. And so what kind of democracy is this if you can now the four, let's say the four left wing people choose to remove the one right wing person? That person was voted in by their local constituents. Yeah, it eliminates now, debate. Yeah, and now they can simply remove them. It's the same things happen in the conservative district. You got, you know, a school board dominated by conservatives. Mm-hmm. You got one liberal. Well, I think it's good for conservatives to have, you know, a voice of opposition. It's good to have, be challenged. It, it strengthens your ideas. It makes you defend them. Uh, monopolies are never good for anybody. Mm-hmm. And right. that's um, currently in the Senate Rules Committee, so it's going to be assigned, and we'll get a date for that soon. So as soon as we do, we'll keep you all updated on our social media and through our newsletter so you can call and urge a no vote. That's right. And then there's the, the Corey Jackson. This is the guy who's calling people white supremacists. Uh, he's an assembly member down in the Riverside area. Uh, now, he his this bill has been changed. It was originally... He was upset that there were some school boards that were actually removing books from their libraries. Now, there are there are districts around the state where people are upset, not just because there's LGBT books being pushed, but the, the books are unbelievably sexually graphic, right? Obscene, rated X. And uh, these books, parents have been going around and going to school board meetings and reading the graphic books to them and trying to embarrass them into taking these pornography books out of the school districts. Now, you know, and and they call this book banning, right? It's not book banning. It's protecting your kids from filth. Mm -hmm. Well, Assemblymember Jackson, we played the video clip a couple podcast episodes ago, but Jackson, he called parents that are fighting to remove pornographic books from schools white Christian supremacist. So he loves to keep using that term on people for absolutely no reason. And as Greg mentioned, these are pornographic books and harmful books, books that talk about sexual abuse. One of them is The Bluest Eye. And this is, that book talks about a man 
raping his 11-year-old daughter. No child should read that book. No child should accidentally stumble upon that book. And think about the children that have been sexually abused to read in depth about another child being sexually abused. There's nothing healing about that. There's nothing educational about that. And it's harmful. And they think that's what's best for the children. Now, they are now, just to be clear, the, the governor has spoke out about this. You know, the attorney general, no banning books. Now, they're not saying we want pornography in the schools, right? Mm-hmm. They just, they're just they just associating any attempt to remove a book as banning a book, right? They never say, well, you know, there are some books that might be, be, it'd be good to take out of the hands of kids. No, they're not even acknowledging that that's an issue. So mm-hmm. they're distorting it, confusing people, you know, uh, saying that, you know, conservatives, Christians, they want to take, you know, ban books that, because they don't like their ideas. Mm-hmm. no. No, <laughs> we are talking about obscenity that does not have protect, uh, free speech protections, mm-hmm. and we're talking about kids, yep. right? And so we hope schools have some kind of moral compass to keep graphic, harmful pornography out of the hands of children. Um, and we expect that. That's their duty to protect kids, and it's the duty of every parent to protect their kids. So this bill that was introduced by Jackson, it's AB... Uh, 1078. Um, it hasn't been changed yet, but he claims he's about to change it. And what the bill is going to do is it's going to require a two-thirds vote uh, to remove any material, not just a majority vote. And then he's going to set up an appeals process uh, at the state level so that um, uh, books uh, that do get banned can appeal to be put back in uh, but the state is going to make the final decision. So what is the point of having local school districts if the state in the end is going to dictate what books are in libraries? Well, especially when you all as parents are doing a phenomenal job in your communities to change your school boards, to make a difference, to speak at school board meetings and make your voices heard. And the legislators here at the Capitol in Sacramento basically think, nope, we don't want your voices heard. We ultimately want the state to have the final decision over what school boards are doing. That's right. And to touch on real quick, when you were talking about how they keep saying banning books, you know, we hear we don't think it's banning books. They say, oh, all these parents want to ban these books. No, the parents don't want these books available in school libraries where their taxpayer dollars pay for. The books can exist at bookstores. They can exist online. They can exist wherever they want, but there's limits on it and it shouldn't be in a school library, just like there's limits on other things. Absolutely. If you're under the age of 21, you're not allowed to legally drink. Is alcohol legal? No. There's restrictions and limits on it. If you're under the age of 18, you can't get a tattoo. Are tattoos illegal? No. There are limits and restrictions on it, and that's what they want to do in order to protect the children. It really makes no sense because actually there are protections in schools on the internet. They put internet filters Mm -hmm. on websites that kids can get to. Um, They also do on movies. I remember my kid was in high school, and you know they they wanted to show a rated R movie, and they sent a uh, a request to the parent saying, "Hey, would you approve of your son or a daughter watching a rated R movie in our classroom?" Okay. Can't you do the same thing for books? You don't think books can be rated R? They can. <laughs> you should. Re- Sadly, I, I've been listening to some of these books being written, and I've got to plug my ears. It's so unbelievably awful. And so that bill, AB 1078, is scheduled for a hearing in the Senate Education Committee on July 5th, 2023. So the day after 4th of July, and I know everyone's going to be busy and has their 4th of July plans, but... 
we have to fight this at the Capitol because they're coming to your local school board to affect them. That's right. And the we'll, last, yes, the best, the best thing we have. Well, tomorrow, Saturday, June twenty fourth, is the anniversary, one year anniversary um, of the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah, wasn't that incredible? I mean, for years we've been told that that decision was, you know, established law. It wasn't going to change. And but there were decades and decades of people working and praying and advocating for uh, a change, uh, urging, you know, changing those who were on the Supreme Court, which required changing who was in the, who was the president, and then convincing the presidential candidate that you needed to put on people on the Supreme Court who simply read the Constitution and didn't read into the Constitution rights that were never in the text itself. We finally got some Supreme Court justices like that, and as we always predicted, uh, they finally said that, yeah, there's nothing in the Constitution about abortion, and therefore we cannot dictate to the states what they do with it. And so now... It's back to the states. I mean, the, yeah. the, the fight's not over. I mean, obviously, here in California, they were running hard and fast, um, trying to make abortion the easiest thing anyone, medical procedure, procedure anyone can have, uh, even flying people in and advertising around the country. California's the place to get your abortion. But, um, but there are lots of states now where, where abortions are no longer happening. That means lives are being saved. Babies are being born. Human beings are, you know, growing up who had never grown up and learned to walk or ride a bike or graduate. So that's something to rejoice. Yes. About. Yeah. We celebrate and thank God for the overturning Absolutely. of Roe v. Wade. And but like Greg said, the battle isn't over and we need to fight and um, stand against abortion here in California. Since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, abortion in California has only become more legal, more accessible. And again, like Greg said, Governor Newsom's willing to fly people in from other states to get an abortion. So we need to fight here in California. And they were, just remind me, there was another gut in the men bill. Uh, we should have put it in our notes, but uh, Assemblywoman Pilar Shiavo, she had introduced a bill earlier this year to go after pregnancy care centers. Mm -hmm. Well, she introduced another one. Uh, AB 602, another gut in the men bill, brand new text. And this bill, uh, it more or less is saying that, you know, if a pregnancy center is uh, deceptive and then they don't refer for an abortions for someone who comes in a little confused, hey, I thought you did abortions. Uh, and if they don't refer for abortions, they can get a $10,000 fine. And these pro-life Pregnancy centers—they don't refer to abortion. I mean, they're—they're not—they're not, not going to give out Planned Parenthood's number, and so they're going to be faced with fines. The bill is blatantly illegal because you know the Supreme Court's already said you can't compel a pro-life pregnancy center to say anything about abortion, encourage people to get an abortion, or hand out the number. But they've introduced the bill anyway. Uh, we expect a hearing in a couple weeks. Yeah, we'll keep you guys all updated on that bill. But again. People never thought Roe v. Wade would be overturned. People didn't stop fighting. People didn't stop praying. It was overturned. People don't think California can be fixed. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop praying. And we can fix the state just like Roe v. Wade was overturned. But we will see you all next week and follow along on our social media and our website and our newsletter to get constant updates about what is happening at the state capitol. See you next week. <laughs>